2: the Tennessee Titans. Things went from bad in week one to worse in week two. A 41-7 blowout at Buffalo. We will look at what went wrong. We will look at what needs to be fixed. And we will look at what it all means as we point towards week three. We, of course, being John Glennon of all Titans at SI.com, John, how are you?
3: I am well, thank you.
2: And former Titans cornerback, Denard Walker. Denard, how are you?
3: I'm doing great, David. How are you doing?
2: Doing great, thank yeah. you. And I am David Beauclair of SI.com, And this is the Believe in Titans podcast brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, Including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in game betting to props and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Online, where the game starts. Well, gentlemen, where do we want to start? Um, seems like there's plenty of trouble spots. Dinard, what uh, what was most troubling to you about that performance Monday night in Buffalo?
3: I will say the opening kickoff uh, looked good <laughs> at first. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, the first series for both teams was great because for Buffalo to go down and then score, and then for Tennessee to match Buffalo and go down and score, I'm thinking, David and John, I'm saying this is going to be a good game. But unfortunately, the wheels came off for Tennessee and Buffalo. It just seemed like they got they hit another uh, gear, and from there it was all over. And l- let me just give you a quick little background uh, breakdown of the game and what I'm talking about, David, was the fact that after – the opening touchdown for the Titans. The next series, they would go nine plays and punt. The next series after that, they would go three plays and punt. And then it's the end of the half. Coming out in the third quarter, we talking about this is where this team, they got those woes. And it's kind of like, uh-oh, what, what are you going to get out of Tennessee? Again, five plays and punt. Another punt. Again, they end up getting an interception, then an interception for a touchdown. Then after the interception for a touchdown, another punt, and then a fumble. That's how Tennessee night went Monday. It wasn't very good. From like I said, after the opening series,
2: yeah, John. Um, they couldn't cover Stephon Diggs. They had a hard. The offensive line had a hard time blocking for for Derrick Henry. The, the couple of muffed punts where. Uh, what what did you see as as sort of the biggest problem spot coming out of this game right now
4: well to me i guess maybe I'll looking sort of a little bigger picture i i guess and to me it's kind of a case of of stolen identity uh, or or absent identity i guess uh, as far as the titans are concerned you know what we knew about the titans for the last few years uh certainly last season that they're still uh, a ground based you know, beat you up, physical type offense. You do enough of that. You 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 make some big plays happen and play action. Titans all of a sudden can't run whatsoever. We'll we'll probably get into that a little bit later. But once you had that identity taken away, you're not all of a sudden going to become the Kansas City Chiefs and start throwing it 50 times a game and ringing up 400 passing yards. And then defensively, the identity last year, this became a very good defense, able to get after the passer, uh, and able to shut down the run. Uh, you know, the first week of the season, we saw them get run all over. Last week or, or last night, they couldn't get any pressure on the passer, um, you know, not nearly enough to uh, to thwart Josh Allen and all of his weapons. So to me, you know, as you're looking into week three, you're wondering just who these uh, uh Titans are. And and Mike Brable used a phrase that, that I've used, you know, plenty of times too. What do these guys hang their hat on? What are they good? at what what can they rely on moving forward
2: yeah it's uh you know i can forgive trey avery for example an undrafted rookie for struggling when he's matched up against Stephon diggs right like like that that's okay to a lesser degree i can forgive Kyle Phillips for muffing a punt for the second week in a row he's a rookie himself he's he's still trying to he's still trying to to find his way a little bit even though uh, expectations were so high for him and and he has performed well at, at points in, in these first couple of weeks to to me i almost go back to to buffalo's first drive of the game and the uh the eleven yard touchdown pass that that ended it, because that with with all the weapons that Buffalo has, and you know you talk about Josh Allen's ability to run and Diggs' ability and and Dawson Knox as a tight end and whatnot, you know their their fullback didn't exactly scare you. They throw the pass to him in the flat, and Zach Cunningham, the guy who is supposed to be. The, the most sure tackler on this team, a guy who's led the NFL in tackles, a guy who's supposed to be an upgrade for Rashawn Evans whiffs on him and, uh, and, and, and the play turns into a touchdown. I, 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 that, that was the, that was the one that I, I'm still, still sort of shaking my head over. I, I don't know, uh, you know, I, I don't know how, how he doesn't make that play. And, 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 and even though the offense answered that, it, it seemed like, it seemed like the defense the defense was never as good the rest of the night as it was the plays preceding that missed tackle to me and uh and it it just it just yeah that that's that's mind boggling but did i, I want to come back to you. you you know you've played cornerback in this league stefan digs with a huge night 12 receptions three touchdowns uh you know it wasn't like he picked on one guy all night i mean how much of a problem was he? What could the Titans have done different against him?
3: Nothing. They absolutely <laughs> just got out. They got manhandled. Uh, you're looking at Stefan Diggs. You're looking at a two-time pro bowler. 2020, he was first-team All-Pro. And he's one of the most electric receivers in the game today. And, uh, David, let me say this. I'm not going to give a pass to Trey Avery. And I'm not going to give a pass to Chris Jackson. They got out matched. When you step on this field, you have one job to do as to be productive. Your defensive back, your job is to shut down that, shut down that receiver. Uh, they allow too many explosive plays this game. David, I was sitting here reading my, um, notes and I'm looking at it and I'm like, one of the first things I'll talk about as a defensive unit. That Greg Williams used to put on the board every Sunday or Monday night or Thursday night was to eliminate the explosive plays. When you get beat, you're talking about a 46-yard touchdown. You're talking about even Jake Kummerow, who was stepping in for Gabe Davis, end up beating Caleb for a 40-yard gain. And you can't do that. In this league, explosive plays will get you beat. I mean, Caleb struggled. This is your first round pick two years ago, right? This is the player that you expected to come in and be your starter. And that hasn't happened. He got, la- he got hurt last year against Buffalo. But again, Christian Fulton was out. Christian did have a good game last week. He played terrible. So the question for, uh, that I have or you and John is we talked about the strength coming into this season was supposed to be the secondary. And now it looks like the Achilles heel. And when I looked at this team, when I looked at this game the other night, I'm thinking if you're Chris Jackson, you're last year, I I just, I bragged on you how good you played, especially last year against Buffalo. And this year, you just, you, you hurt me because you should know, Chris knows better that in the third quarter, when your safety goes down into the box, that quarterback is reading, if the safety goes down, you have to get inside. I don't know what Chris was thinking to allow a slant. You can't do that. That's to be the cardinal rule number one. And the fact that Caleb, I mean, when you look at Trey on that that long bomb, that 46-yard that strike that Josh threw, it was like he was turned around. He didn't know which direction to go. When you're playing over the top, where they're playing what we call a press bell technique. Your job is to stay on the top field shoulder, David. They were just running right past Tennessee's defenders like no one was there, like it was seven on seven, and that's unacceptable. So this team they have to get better in the back half if they want to be relevant this season.
2: Okay, John, we'll throw that to you. Then this, do you feel differently about the the secondary two weeks into this season than you did? During the the preseason and training camp, is is this uh is, is this a group that that we overestimated or is this a group that's just playing poorly right now?
4: Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Certainly, you know, I, I and and I hate to uh, to pick on uh, Caleb Farley, but I have to in this situation. You know, I I understand that that Caleb Farley didn't play his final year in college in 2020. I understand he only played 60 snaps. Uh, last year, before suffering that injury, uh, nonetheless, you know, when when you're asked simply to match Jake Camero stride for stride uh, down the field, you're you're not asking anything extravagant. You're you're asking a guy who's who's supposed to be an elite athlete, you know, who's got incredible raw talent to to keep pace with uh, with a reserve receiver, and he and he could not do that. And and to me. Almost what, what is even more concerning in, in my mind than that long completion he gave up was that short touchdown pass to Stefan Diggs, that four yard touchdown pass. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, Jenard, too. After, after I talk about it, he lined up in coverage on Stefan Diggs and I don't know what he was doing. He, you know, Stefan Diggs took the, took the route, uh, started the left, moved across the, the end zone to the right and Caleb Farley just kind of back to the back of the end zone turned around one time and and covered no one on the play uh and and to me that that's not about necessarily a lack of experience in the league that's just somebody who's is kind of having a brain freeze in 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 my opinion um and you know at this point i i i'm just kind of wondering you know how long the uh, the learning curve is going to take for for Caleb Farley, and how many reps he's going to need to get up to be the the kind of guy that that he is uh, uh you know forecast to be. But but Denard, maybe you saw something in that in that coverage on that short TD pass to Diggs that I didn't. What what, uh, were, I mean, what yeah, was, was your take on that? I,
2: I was wondering too. Was like was it. Was it a zone defense where he passed him off and it was a miscommunication or was it man defense where he thought it was zone or what, you know, what, what did you think about that?
3: Well, Lewis Riddick, uh, I love to listen to Lewis Riddick. Lewis was a player, played for Atlanta and Lewis can call a game, especially in the back half. And when that happened, it was what, 10 to seven. So when they end up scoring it, it went 17 to seven. So what happened, it looked like in the back half, they were playing zone. It looked like, from my standpoint, that Caleb just thought it was, I mean, excuse me, they were playing man-to-man coverage. And he just let Stefan go because Stefan is just running in the back, in the end zone, and Josh just threw it up, and Stephon just comes back and get it like there's no one around him. So when that happens, if you're confused, you know what you do? Call a timeout. Go to the sideline and say, you know what, coach, let Coach Brave will absolutely rip your behind. But if you don't know what's going on and you get confused, especially in the back half, remember, you're the last line of defense. If you have a brain fart, I like to call it because it's happened before. Do what Greg Williams used to tell us to do. If you get confused, play, just put your hands up in the air. And if we got a timeout, call the timeout come to the sideline, I'll cuss you out and then later if we win, I'll praise you later. But right now, you can't do that. You cannot accept that. And that is what happens when you're still young and you're trying to get acclimated to the season. But at this point of Caleb's career, you expect him to know this defense. We talked, you David, you and John raved about how uh this summer he was at the facility, how he was doing those little things. That's if those little things don't translate to on the field, then guess what? You will be replaced or out of a job if you don't clean that up.
2: Yeah, that that touchdown to me that was a that was a huge point in the game. Remember that you know Titans won the toss, deferred their option. The uh, the Bills get the ball up 10 to 7, a little over five minutes to go before halftime. If the defense gets a stop there. And, and even if the offense does nothing before halftime, but they can make adjustments, come out the start of the second half, you know, you can, you can make something happen there, but to, uh, to let them, to let them go down the field, score that touchdown with a minute to go, 17-7 to me, that, that's when the game really sort of changed. And, uh, and, and that was, that, that was a tough spot. And, and back to the, the long completion to Kumaro, too. Let's, let's say this you, to use, denard 's term of a term of a brain fart you know it wasn 't like Kumaro just ran past Farley Farley had him and, and Lewis Riddick I thought did a good job of breaking this down he, he, The first ten or fifteen yards of the route was good, and then all of a sudden. Farley like stopped for a step or so, like he was expecting something to happen, and and just let just let Kumaro get away from him. Then it was uh, it it was it was a really really odd moment, and uh, you know they I, again I guess there's no shame in in having to learn to be an NFL cornerback, but. The expectations for this guy are really, you know, you're a first round pick. There's a difference between being a first round pick and a and a fifth round pick or an undrafted or something. Caleb Farley's getting paid a lot of money right now, and and they need him to be to be a, a player on this defense, obviously, and, and a big time player. So I'll ask this too: is we'll spin this ahead a little bit the Las Vegas Raiders are coming to town this week with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and, and Darren Waller. I mean, this is, this is even a more difficult challenge this week. Is it, is it not John?
4: I would say, you know, last night, the I mean, the Titans caught a break, uh, you know, Gabe Davis didn't play last night. He's an excellent receiver. He's the, he's the number two receiver on the team. So yeah, you were looking at at Jake Kummerow as, as we, as we mentioned as the, you know, the second starting receiver. Um, so yeah, I think you could make a, a, certainly a good argument that there's at least as much receiving talent on, on, in, uh, you know, in total on the, uh, on the Raiders as there are on the, um, on the Bills. So it's, it's a challenge. And then, you know, Christian Fulton out with a hamstring last night in general. And, and you I'm sure you can speak to this better than me. Hamstrings don't generally tend to be like a one and done kind of thing, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. You know, more often than not, it's a, it's a two or three week kind of thing. I, I, I have seen over the years is what, is what it seems to me. So, you know, what we looked at as a, as a young and, and talented group of, of corners right now is looking, um, young and, and not necessarily as, as talented as we thought. Um, and it's just, uh, it's, it's just too much to ask, I think, for, for guys, as we talked about Chris A, you know, Chris Jackson. Trey Avery, guys like that, you know, you can't expect them to to be, you know, going up against the uh, the top line receivers. But again, this is why, draftly, and in, in the first round, you know, you did not, you cannot make an argument to me that you drafted him thinking the learning curve would take this long and be this steep for a guy. He is that kind of guy that that you know is supposed to be a shutdown corner. And again, we can go back and say, okay, Caleb Parley hasn't played much. Understood. But he should be better than he is right now.
2: Denard Walker, Mike Vrabel talked on Tuesday afternoon about simplifying things to try to to try to calm everybody down and, and and get back on the right path here. When when you've got a Devontae Adams, a Darren Waller, a Hunter Renfro, you know, guys who can beat you at sort of every level of the defense, can they afford to simplify their coverage for this game against the Raiders?
3: They better do something because you bring it in. (laughs) How much did Devontae Adams get paid over $100 million? And you wonder why they're struggling in Green Bay. You think Aaron Rodgers is sitting back saying, what in the world were y'all thinking getting rid of Devontae and letting him go? And then you bring in one of the most reliable receivers coming to Nashville, underrated Hunter Renfro. You're talking about an excellent route runner, deceptive speed. And then you bring it in. Just imagine the game that Dawson Knox had the other night, Monday night, against Tennessee. We saw him make some huge plays. Now you're bringing in a player like Darren Waller, who many of the experts are talking about. He might be the best tight end in the league right now. So you have to clean it up. And they were too soft in the back half. How many times did you see where receivers are finding that soft zone? It was like they were throwing on air. They have to clean that up because Darren Waller would take a 10-yard pass and turn it into 60 or 70 yards. Devontae Adams, we know what he's capable of doing. Right now, there's no identity. John, I agree with you. When you talk, you sent an email earlier, you talked about what is the identity for this, especially this back half. I don't know. They're too young. You've got McCrary, who's your rookie. Caleb is going into his third year now. Is this year number three? Second, Second, I'm sorry. And then, I'm sorry, I get him in Christian Fulton. Christian's going into his third year. Correct. Just to let you know a little bit about the hamstring injury, for six years straight in this league, I was fine. I started 80-some straight games. I go to Minnesota, which was the worst place for me to go. I end up pulling my hamstring in training camp. John, it took me about six to ten weeks to get my hamstring to just get going again, I was hampered. I was constantly uh, having these pulls. I wasn't. I wasn't that, um, what I call a hundred percent. And even if you try to come back too early, John, in your your mindset is. Oh, God, I might pull this thing again. And so you're always overthinking. And when you start overthinking in this league you start overcompensating, then you end up pulling or hurting something else. So, again, this might be something that might be a lingering injury for Christian for the rest of this season if they don't get it corrected. So and now you need these young players like Caleb. You need Roger McCurry. You need my man. Uh, Trey Avery to step up now because these are the guys that you're going to go to battle with on Sunday against the Raiders and probably for the next 10 weeks you might be without Christian Fulton
2: and, and on those hamstring injuries two things one the general rule of thumb is when you think it's healed wait another week yeah. so you know the idea that, that Christian Fulton could just come back and step in after a week it, it is not likely and two to your point Denard Guys who have to backpedal. The, I mean, the the hamstring Steven is like the harder. worst possible indi- the indi- worst. injury for for guys who have to backpedal. And and how many times is the first step, first couple steps for a cornerback? You're backpedaling. I mean, it's uh yeah. It it that's that. This is this is if Christian Fulton is the key to the, this in, entire secondary. Kind of holding up and doing what it's supposed to this this is a this is a bad situation for them right now. but let's go to the other side of the ball. I, I think it's fair to say we still don't know a whole lot about Derrick Henry's health because he's not getting a lot of room to run um and, and it didn't help against Buffalo that Taylor Lewan gets injured on the the first play of the game. And, and he's out the rest of the night. Dennis Daly, who was just acquired right at the end of the preseason, has to step in and, and play there. And, you know, we, we saw it. We saw it last year. The Titans were pulling guys off the street, plugging them in. They they would play, they would play well. And, and you think, wow, that, you know, this coaching staff can get anybody ready. There's a little, there was a little bit of dose of reality there here. The, the last. With, with these injury situations. And I think Daly was a perfect example. Certainly didn't, uh, didn't blow anybody away with the, uh, with the work he did. And, uh, and, and Aaron Brewer at left guard was a great story in training camp, but, uh, you know, a, a smaller guy who's, who's going to battle who's athletic, these things, but, uh, you know, may, maybe he's not the answer now. I, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with you again, John. Where, uh, you know, what do you what do you see with this offensive line? It, do you think something needs to change from a personnel
4: standpoint? Yeah, I think they need to find a couple of, uh, of Pro Bowl tackles because they're <laughs> they're they're really in trouble right now. I mean. You know, I, I don't know if you guys saw. I think A to Z Sports uh, r- reported uh, earlier that it looks like Lawan is done uh, for for the year. That it looks like it may well be ACL, same same knee uh, as earlier, and and that is massive. You know, you could make the argument, a uh, pretty good argument, that that is even more significant than Harold Landry's loss uh, on defense. I, th- I think the Titans are deeper at that position, and and you know, we, as we all know, uh, left tackle is is protecting the quarterback's blind side. Um, so that's a, that's a, that's a brutal loss. Um, that said, even before Luan, you know, uh, was injured, you know, week one, we didn't see much from this, from this running game. We didn't see much from this, this offensive line. Um, I, I think certainly you have to put a, a lot of it on the, on the line, a, a good chunk of it. Uh, you know, last night, Derek Henry had 13 runs, five of them were for losses. In, in other words, he really had you know very very little time to get get started uh whatsoever on the other hand um you know when when you're looking at Derrick Henry uh, a guy who's coming back from from injury a guy who's had a huge workload over the years who's starting to get up a little bit in 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 years and age as well you constantly kind of have to keep looking at those the the important numbers and wonder if you're starting to see decline there as well you look at the last 5 games for for Derrick Henry uh, average over those five games, including the playoff game, was 2.9 yards a carry uh, for Derrick Henry. First two games this week, you know, you, you go to the the uh, the next-gen stats, kind of the a little advanced stats and so forth. They have that stat, yards over expectation. Uh, Derrick Henry has been the opposite this year. Uh, he is minus 46 yards over expectation, if you will, which basically means he's losing an average of almost 1.5 yards per carry. More than than what would be expected of of him in that situation. So concerns to me for for both Derrick Henry and the line. But I honestly would love to see what Derrick Henry could do if he could get to the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, five, six, seven, eight times without getting hit in the backfield. I'm sure Derrick Henry would love that as well.
2: Denard, is is this a, is this a line problem more than a Derrick Henry problem right now, as far as you can tell?
3: You know what. Uh, the other night, as I'm looking at the game, I'm looking at Aaron Brewer, and I'm looking, looking at Nicholas petit Frere, and I look at matchups, and John and David, when I saw Von Meller on Nicholas petit Frere, that was, the rookie had a long night, and Aaron Brewer had an even longer night, going against Greg Russo in that front for Buffalo. They absolutely dominated the Titans from the start to the finish, And when I when I look at a stat, it's kind of staggering to me because if you would, John, if you would tell me right now, you say, Denard, if Hassan Hoskins is your leading rusher and Derrick Henry is second, I'm looking at you like you're crazy, especially if you think that's going to give you a chance to win. We talked about going into this game, what Tennessee, the way that they're if they wanted to win this game, they would have to impose uh, their will on this Buffalo front. If not, this game can be over at halftime. They were dominated. Derrick finished with, what, 13 carries for 25 yards, and his longest run was for nine yards. That is not Derrick Henry-like numbers. So this team, it, yes, everything starts up front. And I don't know. Aaron Brewer right now, I just number 55, that his number, if you watch that game, it's like he was going backwards all night long. So once again, they're going to have to get this offensive line going. If you want to get your best player going, because if you don't get the offensive line intact and if you don't get Derek going, David, we might be having this conversation about the Titans losses keep adding up. If we don't, if they don't hurry up and clean this up.
2: Yeah. It, it it should be noted Haskins with, with nine carries for 37 yards. The majority of that was in the fourth quarter when, when Mike Vrabel had sort of waved the white flag and, and, and. Took a bunch of his frontline guys out, including quarterback Ryan Tannehill, which I, you know, I I found funny. Several people have made the comment to me about. Tannehill being benched or pulled from that game for poor play. I mean, it, it was, it was not that at all. I mean, not that, not that it was Tannehill's best night by any stretch of the imagination, but this was, this was a, a, hey, this, this game's over. We're going to get the kid some, uh, we're going to get the kid a few snaps, get him some game reps in the regular season, that sort of thing. And, you know, Malik Willis didn't, uh, didn't exactly light it up either. He, he completed one of four for six yards. He ran it four times for 16. I mean, it was, it it was, it was just sort of, it it was a glorified practice, I guess, in in some ways for him. But, but John, I want to ask you this again. Uh, What is it going to be losses? Is it going to be another pick six or two at what point will the cry for, Malik Willis to to send Ryan Tannehill to the bench start like what what do you, do you think we're getting close to that from from the public
4: uh well I'm sure we're, we're certainly hearing uh you know some um, some cries uh of that as well you know when I mean Ryan Tannehill has thrown now five interceptions in his last three games when you in, in, include the playoff game in there uh, um and and that's that's not going to get the job done but you know, I, I think we're still a long ways off, in, in my opinion, from any kind of switch of the quarterback position. Um, you know, this is the AFC South, after all. You're, you're never, uh, at least it's unlikely that you're ever going to be out of playoff contention uh, for a long time in in the AFC South. Uh, uh, and if that's still the case, the Titans are going to have Ryan T- Tannehill as the starting quarterback unless he completely uh, falls apart in that, during that stretch. And, and I don't see it happening. So as long as the Titans have something to play for, uh, and, and as long as they're trying to get fans in the seats and say, this is a contending team. This is a playoff team. We're, we're playing important games and so forth. I, I don't think, uh, there's any way that, that Malik Willis becomes a starter. If we do get to the point, if, if the loss of a Landry, a Luan, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Christian Fulton for a few more weeks potentially if it becomes bad enough that this team you know what 10 games into the season uh 10 11 12 games into the season maybe is you know five and seven four and eight something like that clearly out of playoff contention what do you have to lose at that point you know I mean uh, uh assuming that that Ryan Tannehill at that point will have not played well enough to keep the Titans in contention and assuming he's going on uh moving on the, the following year. At that point, that's the only time I see a switch taking place.
2: Uh, that that's not to say that fans will be patient though. You're no. hearing a lot of no. you're hearing a lot of cries for Todd Downing to be fired. You're you're you know, no. John Robinson needs to go. I've even heard some Rabel <laughs> needs to go. Um you know Denard, you played for Jeff Fisher you I believe you what, 97 your rookie year you guys started one and four. 98, I think he started one and three. And, uh, you know, Jeff Fisher was, was, fa- you know, say what, say what you will about Jeff and, and all his eight and eights and seven and nines and things like that. But he was adamant that you don't, you, you don't just tear the thing up, tear the playbook up and start over. You don't, you don't redo the depth chart, you know, that you, that you have to stick with, stick with what, you know, what you believe in, what, what you worked on all throughout the offseason and whatnot. And, and he did get those teams to respectability. Uh, how, how important is that? How hard is that for, for, for players to, to, or is it easy? Is, is that the easy thing to do to, to stick with it and just trust that eventually you're, you're going to be better at it than what you've been these first two weeks?
3: Jeff Fisher, to me, he is one of the greatest coaches that I've I played for. I respect the man. He is a wonderful person. He's a great leader. But let me give you kind of a little illustration. For 1997 and 1998, for two years, uh, my first two years in the league, we were 16 and 16. And from 1999 to 2000, we were 26 and six. And what we won the AFC and then the following year in 1999, we got the first round where well, we played Buffalo the first round. I think that's why Buffalo hates, hates Tennessee so much. <laughs> but again, it's, it's the process. It's a process. It, it, and coaches always would tell players embrace the process. What does that mean? What that means is you got to take the good with the bad. So when, when things are bad, you don't deviate from the plan. You just got to learn to fight through it. That's what coach Fisher instilled in us. Hey, listen. We have a plan here. We have a system in play. You guys are here for one reason, because you fit our system. If you didn't fit our system, we would have never drafted you in the beginning. So again, stay with the process. We did that. We believed in that. And then they went out again. Floyd Reese and Jeff Fisher, they end up going and get players like a Javon curse that made a difference. And then you're talking about guys like Derek Mason stepping up. We talk about Carl Pickens coming in. I mean, out of free agency, Randall Godfrey. And then that just the organization just exploded. But that's what you need to do. Don't deviate from the plan. I think it's so easy when you start losing uh, in in any kind of especially sports. Then that's what people start talking about. Tear it down. Tear it down. Why would you want to tear it down now? They're 0-2. And one game we were talking about last week, they should be one and one. That was their fault that they lost last week. But if this team can just stay with the process, continue to build like my man Traylon Burks is doing, by the way, I just (laughs) want to give a fat shout out. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. The number 18 pick, we've talked about him all offseason. His asthma, guy couldn't finish practice. And it just seemed like every week he's bringing something new to the table. He is showing why he was a number 18 pick in this past job. Hey, do you miss AJ Brown now? No. But I tell you what, Robert Woods, once again, what did he do uh, Monday night? He showed people that, you know what, if there's any concerns about my knee, forget about it. I'm 100%. That's what you got to do. You have to fight through. And if this team continues to fight, And you know what? Anything is possible, but they're going to have to start by taking next week in one play at a time and one game at a time. And if they can do that, then they can turn things around, but they're going to have to get better. First of all, in the trenches and they're going to have to stay healthy because you can't maybe pull off what you did last year. 91 players. That's that might not cut it this year. You're going to need everybody healthy. And that's the key for a winning season is, are you healthy?
2: And, and, that that brings up a good point. You know, Bud Dupree's another guy got hurt against Buffalo. Ola Denny, uh, who who was filling in, he he was badly He was in and out with uh, injuries. Um, John, I, I guess I'll I'll ask you, Denard's Denard, sounding an optimistic note there. Where what's the building block you see going into Week Three that the Titans can say, okay, we're going to start here. We're gonna we're gonna work out from this positive and 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 build this thing back up to where people
4: expect it to be I'm going right back to where Denard was I'm going <laughs> right back to Traylon Burks because I can't find a whole lot of positives outside of that uh, out of last night's game so yeah I'm going to talk about Traylon Burks too because I am honestly uh, a little surprised um, simply because of all the off-season time that he missed all that chemistry, all the reps that he missed with Ryan Tannehill. I thought it would take longer for this, uh, than this for, for him to make an impact. Now I, I'm not saying he's out of the gate and he's a sure Pro Bowl guy right away. No, but I, I think he has made an impact in limited snaps. You know, he only played 25 snaps last night. I got six passes thrown to him, four catches for 47 yards. And to me, he, you know, on some of these, uh, the, the play-action passes where he is going across the middle, catching passes, turning up field, getting yards after the catch, he looks more and more like like A.J. Brown uh, in those kind of situations. I'm not going to go as far as Denard uh, uh, went there and say that who's missing A.J. Brown now <laughs> uh, based, on, based on the numbers that A.J. has put up in, in Philly and based on where A.J. was in his career, of course, as opposed to where Traylon is as a, as a rookie uh but, but some real promise there in terms of yards after the catch and, and I think those snaps are, are only gonna increase uh next week as well uh against Las Vegas. Um so that's that is my building block uh for the Titans. David, I challenge you I challenge you to uh to find another uh, a positive and, and building block from uh from the Buffalo
3: game.
2: But well, I have not forgotten what we saw from Jeffrey Simmons in week one. And uh, he didn't he didn't have nearly as as dominant a game Monday night. But but he did show up once or twice. He, you know, he's a guy that uh, I, I go back to what was it, 2007 and and Albert Hainsworth put almost an entire secondary, almost an entire starting secondary into the Pro Bowl. And, and it, it, you know, one guy in the middle of the defensive line can have that kind of effect and uh, and. Yes, the the this team needs to be able to get pressure with just four or five guys, and uh, and and if if that happens, the defense looks a whole lot better. Jeffrey Simmons is the guy who I think can make that happen. So uh, I, I have not forgotten about Jeffrey Simmons and and Derek Carr is going to be a stationary target back there. He is not Josh Allen running around and and the ability to make people miss and and all that. So uh so that's where I'm going, but uh we're going to go home from here. This is that that's it for this week. This episode of the uh Believe in Titans podcast brought to you by Bet Online, John Glennon Denard Walker. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll talk to you next week. See
0: Thank you guys you next week.